This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. He, he wants <laughs> nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. Monday morning following an Eagles game, not only an Eagles game, but an Eagle-Dallas game. The Mike Missanelli Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Uh, congratulations if you bet the Eagles yesterday because that was a cover. And we'll get into some other games as we go around the NFL. But let's we, we got to talk about this game because... Here, here, here you go. I, I want you, you might want to write this down. You might want to put it on a plaque, right? Yesterday's game showed one big thing, that there is a clear difference between a team that's about winning and a team that's about losing. And this is just not me as a Philadelphian trying to hate on the Cowboys. But you could visibly see that there's something wrong with an organization that has several opportunities to win a monster game in the other team's building and come up short. Let me count the ways here. Knee down at the six-inch line, right? Now, okay, Bree Blankenship made a great play on the tight end there, but come on, man. Uh, On the previous play, Dak Prescott tried to score. He got upended, necessitating another play, which they had open, and they don't score a touchdown. Uh, first and goal late in the game by a miracle. It happens that Dallas gets another chance to score a touchdown because the Eagles, frankly, played not to win but uh, not to lose uh, in the final moments of that game. And they gave them the ball back, and they got down first and goal at the six-yard line. Where do they end up on their last play? The 26-yard line. To say nothing of the fact that the quarterback – who's supposed to know better, who's supposed to be the leader, steps out of bounds with a clear path to score a two-point conversion to say nothing of the two times, not one, the two times they gave the Eagles field position at the 40-yard line, one, because an idiot kicker kicks the ball out of bounds, which in this day and age of the NFL, it's impossible. A. B. Who are you kicking off to? Devin Hester? You're kicking off the Rashad Penny, and you kick it out. You kick the ball out of bounds, and the Eagles start at the forty, and they score off that drive because it's a little easier to score a touchdown when you start at the forty. And then finally, uh, in the second half, another kickoff. A special teamer rips the helmet off by the face mask of an Eagle special teamer, and the Eagles start again at the forty. This is a team that knows how to lose, where the stars align, where. They're going to lose. Now, I don't want to take anything away from the Eagles, okay? The Eagles showed that they have enough stuff to win a game like that. Now, at the end, 
They leaked, all right? And we're going to go over this chapter and verse on how this game transpired. But the Eagles, who really kind of wanted to give that away to the other team, and the other team did not want to take it. There's a team that wins. There's a team that creates a culture on winning, and that's the Eagles. And there's a team that creates a culture of losing, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. And you can take all their regular season wins, and you can stuff them in a pipe because it doesn't matter a whit. No matter what they show in games during the regular season where you go, ooh, the Cowboys are pretty viable this year, in the end, you know they're going to give it up. Now, again, I don't want to take anything away from the Eagles. They are 8-1. and one. They have passed almost every test this season except one. And, and frankly, they passed the test yesterday because they made a key sack uh, in fact, a couple of key sacks late in the game, which destroyed the Cowboys' momentum a little bit from scoring. But the Cowboys have the ball. I, I just want you to perceive this and, th- and think about if it was the other way around. If the Eagles had gotten below the five-yard line twice where a touchdown wins the game, what would we be talking about today? We'd be talking about an ultimate choke job. Instead, the Eagles are the team that wins and the Cowboys are the team that lose 28-23. to 23. All right, let's not bury a, a couple of leads here or sweep this under the carpet. Dallas Goddard looks like he's going to be out for a long time. It looks like a fractured forearm. He could be out 8 to 12 weeks. Now, their tight end depth is not exactly plentiful as far as catching the ball, as far as having another weapon. Now, they ain't used Goddard enough as it is, but certainly without him, who are they going to use? Are you going to use uh, uh, Jack Stoll over the middle of the field? Are you going to use Calcaterra? Are you going to use that big tight end that they signed from Cleveland? They're, they're in a problem right there. But this bye coming up gives a chance for a lot of people to heal. N'Kobe Dean went down again. A, I'm not so sure that N'Kobe Dean belongs in the starting lineup. Okay, I'm going to tell you that right away. Because when they had Cunningham and Morrow in there, they played much better. So N'Kobe Dean re-aggravating the foot injury might not matter for the Eagles. It might work out for them. Uh, you had two cornerbacks going out on uh, almost consecutive plays there with Bradbury and Slay. Fortunately, they both came back in. Bradbury did not have a great game. Slay had a much better game. Uh, and then um, the the other injury was uh, I forget who it was, but but well, it, it's Hurts uh, because Hurts did an amazing thing yesterday. He's obviously hurt as it is. He took another shot on that knee. You saw it. Lawrence with the helmet, bang. He was limping. They let him. They didn't want to show any weakness. They let him finish the one play and a half. I'm thinking he he ran into the locker room. He ran to cover it up because that's the type of guy he is. Not going to let anybody see him limping. And I'm going, oh, my God, they might not even be able to play him in the second half. What happens? Well, this is like a scene from Varsity Blues. Sirianni said after the game that Jalen went into his office and got an IV. I'm going. That sounds like Bud Kilmer pulling in uh, Lance. He does that for most uh, to, uh, or, or the running back to give him to give him a little shot of cortisone or whatever. Some painkiller, and I don't know if it was an IV. But in any event, he comes back out for the second half and delivers two touchdown scoring drives in the third quarter. Now that is pretty amazing stuff, and we're going to go over that little by little. But let me bring Darren in here. Darren, I know you're watching that game <clears throat> like everybody else. The, the end got so hairy. It was such an emotional wrenching for Eagle fans to watch what was transpired. But at the end of the day, 
It's really resolute. The Cowboys give it up, and the Eagles don't. Lost three months of my life last night, Mike, just on that fourth quarter alone. Um, with regard to Hurts, first of all, he, he gets an IV at halftime almost every game. It's mostly a, uh, to a quick rehydration IV. Now, this one may have had a little bit, a little bit of a little, uh, extra spice in it. Uh, <laughs> you know, for well, first of all, let me hold you. Why was it in Sirianni's office? There's a training room. There's a tra- there's training table. So why would it be in Sirianni's yeah, office? I thought that kind of I, listen. I'm just saying. I, I don't care what it is. I and I know players get get the spike a lot. Yeah. I, I'm 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 thinking that the, it was the spike as a painkiller for him, and not an IV. If it was in Sirianni's office, but it, it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Except to whatever it was, he came out. And played well in the third. I'll game. ask you this: Did he throw his hat in the ring for MVP after that game last night? I thought he. Well, yeah, certainly. He's he's actually the front runner right now. Yeah, no quarterbacks really have. I mean, you, early on you thought Tua, but I mean they 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 haven't beat a team with a winning record yet. No, he before yesterday he he was in the lead as far as the MVP goes with the odds race. So yeah, he he definitely does. But when, when your impression. Uh, your emotional impression, because you watch it as a fan. I'm watching it as a, had to, a guy has to do a post-game right. show, so I'm, I'm looking at it more analytically. But as a fan watching that game, what were you going through? Were you Did you think the Eagles were going to lose that game? I never really felt that they were going to lose, but, I mean, I was more nervous about her Because, you know, they, they keep saying it's a bone bruise or it's a knee bruise. They're being very vague on what the knee is. And all, I mean, like every other uh, Philadelphia fan, anybody in that stadium or at home, you, we all held our breath. I don't think I thought, oh, no, he's done. But I was certainly holding my breath. Uh, you know, because that's, look, I, all I said was if Mario comes in this game, it's over. <laughs> that kid cannot play. And, you know, it just was one of those games emotionally, like you said, where it's back and forth. But that second half. First of all, they come out, and he throws maybe the best pass of his career on that The one that Devontae Smith down the sideline was a dime. It really was. He had another great throw early in the game to uh, Goddard along the sideline where he just dropped it in like the absolute perfect spot. For the first down. Yeah. The big first down play throw. Correct. And yeah, and he really had to go over that, the, the play-by-play. But let me take yeah. you down to the final drive. Uh, now – Again, you, you have to understand that we're rushing down to the set to get all set up because we have to do the post game show immediately after the game ends. And I'm thinking, okay, they locked it up. It's 28 to 23, uh, so I can comfortably go down and and, and sit. All, all of a sudden, Dallas gets a shot to get back down the field, and I'm going, how in that in the world could that possibly happen? Uh, and I think it happened because the Eagles got really conservative and just gave them the ball back three times in, in like the last 10 minutes of the game. But they get to the six-yard line with 27 seconds left. Now, what are the odds that you don't score there? First and goal at the six. You got all the momentum. I know. The crowd is all scared to death. The Eagles are kind of on their heels. Here's the plays that transpired. False start. I know. Sack by sweat, which knocks them way back. Incompletion. Delay of game. This is a, a veteran quarterback and a veteran coaching staff. A delay of game, Unreal. which gets them back to the 26-yard line from where they were at the 6-yard line. And then, finally, the completion 
which is short of the end zone. It probably had to be short of the end zone because the Eagles had seven guys waiting in the end zone to C.D. Lamb, who can't wriggle free, and the game ends almost where it started at the six-yard line. Now, I'm thinking, if I'm a Dallas fan, I'm just absolutely out of my mind today on, on how they could not capitalize on two situations that would have got a touchdown and would have won the game in Philly and given them uh, at least a shot to win that division. Now they're two and a half games behind. They probably have no chance, although their schedule gets easier and the Eagles' schedule gets harder. But as the Eagles' schedule gets harder, all these teams that we thought were hard are now frauds. So I don't know if it's hard or not. All these teams, oh, look at this game here, Kansas City. Look at this game here, Buffalo. Look at look at this game here, Seattle. They stink. Everybody stinks. So I don't even know if, if it's a gauntlet of a schedule anymore. Well, it's going to be tough one way or the other. Buffalo's going to be like fighting for their season. Kansas City is still really good. Who knows what kind of health the Niners will be in. That last drive, though, Mike, really annoyed the hell out of me. And I don't complain about refs. You know me. I really don't. Uh, but they were like ticky-tack on both sides of the ball in that fourth quarter. Here's what drove me nuts. Dallas says the ball. It's like 48 seconds. They're on their own 15-yard line. And then you blink, and it's 35-yard P.I., a quick 10-yard completion, and a roughing the passer. 65 yards, and both starting quarterbacks were hurt in a matter of 16 seconds. That blew my mind. I was. That's when I was really – that's the only time in the game where I really, my emotions got the better of me, and I got really aggravated. Because boom, they're down there. You know, I'm thinking 48 seconds, no timeouts, this defense. They don't really play a whole lot of prevent. I like it. I like our chances. I feel pretty good. Boom, you blink. They're at the Eagle 30 with, uh, or 30, whatever, 25, and both starting quarterbacks are on the sideline. Now, they came back in quickly, but nevertheless, that's the one point in the game where my I got my blood pressure really went up. All right, well, listen, your blood pressure was like everybody else's blood pressure watching this game. But let's go now to the other drive to prove my point about this choking Dallas team. And, and, like, I'm not one of those guys, oh, I hate Dallas, or I wear a T-shirt with a guy urinating on the Dallas star. Like, I, I don't do that kind of thing, right? But I'm looking at this game, I'm going, this team just n- doesn't have it. They never will have it. There's something missing with this. This They don't have a clutch gene. It probably filters down from the owner. doesn't always ask from a hole in the ground. And, and it comes down to the quarterback, who's not, who's not game-winning worthy. I mean, let's face it. He is a lot of things, and he'll put up some yards, and he put up a lot of yards in this game, 374, whatever it was. But in the end of the, at the end of the day, they don't have it. So let's look at the drive. They have first and goal at the seven. Now, they, they get first and goal at the seven because of the personal uh, foul on, on Bayard. But let's trans before they get to the seven, this is what happens. They have a, a fourth and one. They go with a quarterback sneak. Now, a fourth and one for the Eagles is automatic. For everybody else, it seems to be problematic. Like this quarterback couldn't dig his head in there enough to get a, a one yard to, to cinch the deal. Now, they wound up giving it to him, but it, it could have very easily, the spot could have been very easily different and the Eagles would have taken over. But we're looking at that play right there. And because they don't sneak the ball well, there was a discussion amongst us as we're watching the game preparing for the postgame show with Seth and myself and Seth Joyner is screaming that they should kick the field goal there. And I'm thinking 
they're they got it's fourth to one. You, you, you can't kick the field goal there. You never you might not never never get close enough again. You got to score that touchdown uh, when it's there for you. Um, and so they get the spot, and then the the personal foul gets them to the seven, uh, and then they throw the pass to Ferguson. And we're looking like ah, that's the touchdown. If they, the the Eagles did all this, and now they're going to give up a touchdown. And he looked at the replay, and clearly his knee was down, and Blankenship made a great play on that. But let me first go back to the situation before we got to that. Would you have kicked the field goal there to make it an eight-point game where an eight-point touchdown could tie it? No, I thought the same thing as you. Go for it. You're that close. You may not get that uh, opportunity again. So, um, yeah, you go for it there. Plus, I mean, the the chance if you can't get a yard in the NFL in a big spot, don't play the game. (laughs) Well, I agree, and, and it, it was it was such a feeble quarterback sneak by the guy, right? Like, uh, and they they got the benefit of the doubt. All right, so now the Eagles get it at the one. Now I can see where you don't want to take a big chance here. Although I think the Eagles have to be a team that's aggressive. I don't like the way they play conservative just to give the ball back. Now, all right, they, they couldn't get any yards down there. They wound up hunting. Maybe you can trust your quarterback to make a play there, but the Cowboys got it uh, at the at the forty eight their forty eight yard line, and uh, and then and then you know they get the touchdown. They they move that ball down and get the touchdown. Dak to Jalen Tolbert of all people. Ceedee Lamb had sixteen targets. He should have got twenty six because they couldn't cover him all game. It does didn't matter what they did to the point they they semi effective late when they finally put Slay to trail him all over the field. Uh, but but they they get the touchdown there, and uh, there there was a penalty on the Eagles after the throw to Gallup. Gallup had beaten Bradbury, uh, and, and here comes the two point play. So it's it's twenty eight to twenty three. The two point play conversion is very important there. How on earth do you step out of bounds? I, I like the I'm, these things. Like if you're a guy off the street and you're the quarterback, you might panic enough to step out of bounds. How do you go wide enough to step your foot out of bounds where you could just kind of burrow, even if you have to take a hit? You can't get that close to the sidelines? Explain this to me. Uh, it's You know, it's a lack of awareness. It's a lack of focus. I can explain it to you in a graphic that um, the broadcast ran. I, you probably saw it. If you didn't see it, you've probably seen it by now. Uh, in the When trailing... Jalen Hurts is the is first in the league in passer rating when trailing. Dak Prescott is worst in the league in passer rating when trailing, which means he doesn't focus when they're trailing and trying to come down and make a big play. He just and I thought he played well last night for we, the most we, part. As we would say, at, at times, he's a stunad. He's a stunad. You, yeah. You're a stunad. You, you step out of bounds. Now, they got the touchdown. But again, it wasn't a right. smooth touchdown because they got the ball to the two-yard line. What happens? They get an illegal formation to back up to the seven, which necessitates a, a, a big throw in that situation. I, I'm looking at the game, and I'm going, this team can't get out of their damn way. They stink. And, and the Eagles survive. Okay. So so let's now let's look back at the start of the game because I thought the key drive – obviously you can look at some drives in the third quarter as key drives, but at the start of the game, things went swimmingly for the Eagles. The Cowboys got the kick 
they go three and out, which is how you script it. When you kick off, you want them to give give the ball back to you three and out, and you go on offense with good field position. Uh, and that's probably the thinking on what why they always defer. So uh, the Eagles get their first series, and they get a tush-push at their own 33. Now, I'm looking at that going, no. Now, I, I, I know you got the tush-push in your pocket. You're at the 33. Why would you want to give them a gift if you don't make it? Now, the chances of them not making it, I understand, are very slim. But they go for it there. Your thoughts? My thought is this. I want them to, when they were at the one-yard line, okay, I want to see a tush-push drive. I want them to start. First of all, they get two and a half yards almost every time. Uh, I want to see them start inside the five and do the shove all the way to the other goal line. But, yeah, you know what? It's aggressive. I might have punted. I might have thought about punting there just because of how big the game was, the score, and how the game was going. But I also think the defense needed a blow. I mean, they were on the field a lot in that second half, particularly the fourth quarter. I'm talking about the the, the, at well, the first well, quarter. Oh, jeez. The, that the first quarter situation yeah, no, is what I'm talking about. When they get, first they're quarter. at their own 33 yard line. Were you not listening to me? I just laid out the scenario. Are you still not? At first quarter, no I just laid out the, the scenario. Quarter. The first series of the game, we're talking about the 33. Yeah, no problem with them doing it in the first quarter. I really don't. No. <laughs> what? Really? At no, their own 33? It really is. It's 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 on. It almost is unfair how good they are at that play. Because everyone else who tries it, All right. it looks so feeble. Okay. Listen, they tried three hard counts yeah. in that situation. Finally, the clock's ticking down. I go, okay, well, they're going to punt. Uh, and, and as the clock's running down, they try the fourth yeah. hard count. And they go on that. And they get it. And they get the first down. Now, that in, in that drive, two fourth down conversions. And they get the touchdown uh, on a Gainwell sweep. The guy that everybody was down on said, I don't want to see him anymore. Um, they got a second and 23 AJ catch. Uh, and then that got them to the 28 on a fourth and three. And they throw to Goddard for an out for a first down. And that leads to Gainwell sweeping for a 12 yard a TD. Uh, and they're up seven to nothing after a 43 yard PIT, PAT, by the way, because they had two penalties, yeah. which pushed them back. Uh, okay. So then Dallas on their next drive, they go for it on fourth and one, and they hit C.D. Lamb, who makes the catch off of Eli Ricks, who did not have a great game. They get to the four, and the next play is a Jake Ferguson TD, uh, and, and that's 7-7. That drive was started by a 47-yard kickoff return by Kevante Turpin. So they tie the score, and now we go to the second quarter. And Dak in the second quarter was making some good throws on the run. They get a first and goal at the seven. Now it's third and goal. It's the third, third down on the drive. And he throws a dart to Turpin, who comes out of the woodwork again to make a big play. Six-yard diving catch for a TD. They went nine plays and at three three-down conversions on that drive. And they have the lead at 14-7. to seven. I'm thinking, oh, man, I didn't expect this, that they're going to take the lead. The Eagles come back down, and they tie it in the second quarter. 14-14 with a third and one tush push TD, which is, you know, come on. It, 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 once you get there, you just count it. Put it on the board, yes, uh, on a tush push TD. 14-14, to 14, and Dallas takes the halftime lead 
on a 51-yard field goal by Brandon Aubrey, who has not missed a field goal this year. So it's 17-14 to at halftime. The halftime statistics, Zach was 10 for 16 for 153, a rating of 133.6. He did get sacked twice. Hurts, 10 for 13 for 120, got sacked three times for 24 yards loss. The Eagles only had 62 yards rushing. Cowboys only had 36. But again, as we go into halftime, we're thinking, okay, here's this team. They don't establish the run, and it's pretty annoying. So what happens to start the third quarter? Rashad Penny comes out of mothballs and they start giving the ball to him and he rips off a six yarder and then he gets stopped. And that was the end. Uh, it looked like the Eagles were trying to commit to running the ball. Uh, but uh, Hertz had a great scramble throw to, to uh, DeAndre Swift uh, in the right flat. That play was actually open a little earlier. He didn't see him. He was looking the other way, and he finally got him on a desperation. But it was a good throw. And then he, he throws the pass of the day. Uh, to Devontae Smith, a, a beautiful throw where he beat the cornerback Bland. Uh, it was Smith's second target. And interestingly enough, in the first half, he wasn't happy about getting only one target in that first half because he's a little bitching on the sidelines. Now, we didn't think he was of the bitch mode. We, we thought that A.J. Brown owned that kind of situation. But Devontae wasn't very happy, Darren. I've seen him. He was upset in the Rams game, too, I thought. If you remember, Sirianni tried to keep him calm a little bit on the sideline because he saw it. But, yeah, it is unusual to me how I can't imagine he's not open. But he, he does not get targeted nearly as much as a lot of people think. Now, with Goddard down over the next month, there's gonna, they're going to have to lean on him a little bit more, both of the wide receivers, really. I don't think we're going to see any big numbers out of Stoll. Calcaterra or uh, Big O, whatever that guy's, you know, the guy they signed from Denver. Uh, so, <laughs> if you had one play, he made a nice block on the one play, and then they got him right out of there. One play, well, he came on. Well, I, I can't <laughs> get any time. I can't get any ball here. Come on. Uh, all right. So now it's twenty-one to seventeen in the third quarter, and the Eagles. Then the next drive, they get a pass interference call to help them out. 316 left in the third quarter. That gets them to the 41 of Dallas. And then uh, gr another great throw, a crossing slant to Goddard, which get 29 yards was a big play. That was the play he got hurt on, though. They get it to the Cowboy 12. Um, there's a holding in the secondary. The Cowboys in the second half, first half I thought they covered okay. Second half they start clutching and grabbing like it was a hockey game. And they were behind Eagles receivers the whole time. Uh, so that's uh, holding the secondary gives the Eagles a first and goal at the four and a half yard line. Great design play on a swing pass to AJ. Man-to-man uh, -man Gilmore had to come from the other side of the field to track AJ Brown, uh, and that uh, didn't work out too well for the Cowboys. The, the Eagles appreciably uh, they went three for three in the red zone at that point as they cashed in. So uh, with one thirteen left in the third quarter, they're up twenty-eight to seventeen, and of course that sets up the craziness uh, of the fourth quarter where the Eagles went punt, punt, punt as they were just trying to hold on. They punted on a three and out after they, they got, obviously they got it uh, deep in their own territory. That led to the touchdown. And then they were conservative again. Uh, and they punted the, the third and three play that they had on that drive with five, four left. He took a, a deeper shot down the, the sideline at AJ 
and th- and kind of threw it out of bounds. And I thought, you know, they're just kind of hanging on here. I didn't like their lack of uh, play call aggressiveness in there, and they allowed the Cowboys to have a couple of shots at it from that point on. Yeah, once again, the play calling was a little—I wouldn't say a little, but it was—it was confusing. I didn't know what they were trying to get done. The third and three, the deep down the far sideline, that just. It doesn't make any sense in that situation. It's just a little more conservative there to get the first down, put the onus on getting the first down. It wasn't a, it wasn't a part of the game to kick. Now, they, did, they didn't have a tight end in that situation, so I guess they, they were a little limited, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you get DeAndre Swift in space on that play and you, you flare him out, that maybe that's a better call than trying to throw the ball down the field. In any event, they hold on to win the game because the Cowboys are stupid. And, and and they don't score. Now, you know, take a gift. I'll take a gift. Uh, there's no way that the Eagles should have won that game, really, when you get the ball to two, two situations where you get the ball to four or less and you don't score. is just mind-boggling to me. And I say, if I can't do that, what kind of a team am I? Seriously. I mean, that's what you got to ask yourself with the Cowboys. So I erased the Cowboys from consideration at this point. And I don't know who's left in the NFC. Now, now you could look at the AFC and say, okay, when the Eagles get to a Super Bowl, who's the team they're going to play that's tough? But I cannot imagine at this point who is going to topple them in the NFC. I just, I just can't see it. I, they're going to get home field advantage throughout. The 49ers have fallen off the planet. The Seahawks are a fraud. Detroit, eh, you know, all right, I guess they're playing well. And in the AFC, you look at all these teams, you go, wow, Cincinnati's coming back, and the Ravens are just strong, and the Chiefs are strong. But I don't even worry about what's happening over there. I'm, I'm looking at this now with the Eagles and who they have to play, and I go, all right, they got Buffalo coming up. Wait, what the hell's Buffalo at this point? They can't run the football. The, the guy's all over the place throwing it. I, I, I don't even think they're – I used to think they were a threat. I think Kansas City is going to be a tough game for them to win, but who cares? Now you got the 49ers here and, and all that bluster with the 49ers. And, you know, what Brock Purdy has kind of fallen down, come back down to earth. And the Seahawks yesterday – I mean, seriously, you're, you're in a comfort zone right now. The only thing you got to worry about is whether you get these guys to heal up after the bye. You know, they're going to start off with the Chiefs in two weeks. Uh, I got to think they'll be ready for that game for sure. And then, yeah, Buffalo, I don't know what Buffalo is right now. Uh, he's Josh Allen has gone steadily backwards since Dable left the team to take over the head coaching job in New York. I, you know... Maybe the Niners are healthier at that point. Who knows? But I know one thing. No one's coming into the link and winning uh, in, the, in the postseason. So that's why. No, listen, if, if, if that team yeah. win that game in the link. I know. I mean, Dallas is pretty good. <laughs> I think they're a good team, though, man. You're not giving enough credit. I actually thought Prescott played pretty well with the exception of just, you know, I don't know if that's play calling or if that's him. I, I just want to flip the script. I, 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 I I need to repeat this for the people that are listening to this podcast. And I want you to put yourself in the situation that you're a fan of a team that gets to the six-yard line with 27 seconds left and has a chance to steal the game and run out the clock and have zeros on the clock and you score the touchdown that wins the game. And this is what they did. Again, again, we'll repeat it. I want you to write this down and tell me how you would have reacted if the Eagles went false start 
sack. Because you know people would be screaming, Jalen, throw the ball away. Don't take, you can't take a sack. Uh, incompletion. Delay of freaking game. And a, a, a shot to the that was short of the goal line. It wasn't going to get a touchdown. I, I, I'm just like, I'm looking at that series and I'm going, oh my God, if that, if I saw the Eagles do that, we would be crazy on this Monday. <laughs> All right. So there you go. The Eagles win it 28 to 23. They are now eight and one with the bye. I know you people are going to enjoy your bye. You take a breath. You wait for you guys to heal. Maybe you take, you know, you take the the wife or the girlfriend on a nice little weekend trip. Whatever you do, you don't have to think of football for a little while until they play the Chiefs, and they won't play them for a long time. Uh, all right, that's our Eagles wrap up. Let's now go around the NFL, Darren. So I got five things that piqued my interest in the NFL uh, as I was following uh, NFL Sunday as we were watching the Eagles game and the results that happened before the Eagles played at 425. Let's go with number one because you can't top this. Joshua Dobbs gets traded to the Minnesota Vikings. He arrived in Minnesota Wednesday. Um, he did not take a snap in practice. He did not even know what the hell they were doing. He didn't know the names of his teammates. <laughs> so the quarterback who starts is the kid from BYU. He gets banged up. And uh, uh, what? Uh, I got to play? And so he goes into the game. <clears throat> it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. He doesn't know the playbook. They're, they're calling in plays, and they have to describe the plays to him, what's going to happen on this particular play. They win. Joshua Dobbs leads the Vikings over the Atlanta Falcons. And if I'm a Falcons coaching staff, I go, I just allowed that guy who came off the street to beat me. I mean, you got to be kidding me. What? Kind of, it's amazing to me that these coaching staffs would let something like that happen. That you could be that bad to let Joshua Dobbs come in and beat you. He went 20 for 30 for 158 yards. All right, that's that's not spectacular. But he threw for two touchdowns. He had a 101.8 rate, and he ran seven times for 66 yards. And the Atlanta Falcons let that happen. I, you know, I'm speechless. I, I, Do you have any speech? First of all, it's a good story. I like, I like hearing things like that and seeing things like that. Atlanta... You know, Arthur Smith, who's their head coach, is one of those guys who may, and I say this often, are just coordinators. Like, game management as a head coach is a totally diff whole different skill. The ability to delegate are different skills. And one other thing about Arthur Smith, how come he's Artie now? <laughs> he was Arthur's entire career. till this season, now everything, it's Artie Smith. When the hell did that happen? When a few games we went to be Artie. You know, he was, he, he was Farty Smith. On Sunday. Um, all right. Now, first of all, here's a side note on Joshua Dobbs. Joshua Dobbs is an extremely intelligent guy. He has, I believe, a degree in astrophysics from Tennessee. So he's no dummy coming up the street. So I'm assuming he could pick up some things a lot smoother than other people. But that's one of the most amazing results I've ever seen, that that guy can win a football game just coming off the street, not even knowing his guy's name, not taking a yeah. practice snap wow. on the center. All right, number two. Uh, listen, the uh, fact of the matter is the Dolphins are a fraud when they play a good team. 
I mean, it's it's simple. Now, this is the third loss they've had when they play a good team. They can't step up and beat a good team. They got all this French pastry out there. They look good in, in, uh, you know, behind the counter with the whipped cream and all that stuff. But uh, they lose to Kansas City 21-14. to They have lost to the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs. Three step-up games where everybody's going, well, we'll see what they're all about. Well, this is what they're about. 21-14. This explosive offense against Steve Spagnuolo scored 14 points. And Tyreek Hill didn't do anything. Dolphins are a fraud. Your thoughts? Well, one, they don't have a whole lot of guys on defense, really. So the other thing is, like, Mike, Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, like, he just, he's one of those coordinators that just, he's uh, overrated. I'm going to be nice to say he's overrated. They use a lot of pre-snap snap motion. But like any other team that relies on trick plays or any type of, you know, mostly downfield passing, you're nothing without a running game. Now, they got their running game going in the second half a little bit. Raheem Mostert's a really good running back. He never gets talked about enough. But if you're not running the ball consistently, all that pre-snap motion, all that crap, you know, and all downfield passing with nothing on the it's, – it's, it's, it's meaningless in a big game. All right, number three. Uh, the Bills may also be a fraud. Um, they got beat by Darren's man crush. Oh, my God. 24 to 18. Bengals all of a sudden are alive. Man crushed through for 348 yards and two touchdowns. And the Bengals all of a sudden are five and three. Go ahead. Extol the, the, the virtues of man crush. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I, he wasn't healthy earlier in the year. I told you that he's healthy now. And there, I, there was a lot of games left to play when everybody was writing them off. And I said, as long as he's healthy, the Bengals will be fine. And they look good now. Now, it's tough for them with the Ravens in their division because the Ravens look really good right now. They might be the best team in the AFC for sure. Um, but, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of game, a lot of time left for the Bengals to write the ship even more. They'll be fine. M-A-N-N, man crush. There you go. All right, number four. Uh, uh, the Raiders, I, I, listen, they're terrible. Uh, who, who knows from week to week? All right, they make a coaching change. Antonio Pierce c- talks a good game, the toughness and the whole bit. And they wallop the Giants 30 to 6. Um, Jones gets hurt again. I, it, it's such a pathetic situation for the New York football yeah. Giants. I, I, I can't even. Uh, so Tommy DeVito has to come back in and right away I'm going, hey, Tommy, you look like you're decorating a Christmas tree, which is what he look, looked like in the oh, game. <laughs> come on. When this job, 30 to 6. 30 to 6. The Shines team has flat out quit for the yes, rest man. of the year. All right, let's finally go uh, to number five. I don't think that I'm a football expert, right? I've never been a general manager. Like I've never had a scouting position. But when I looked at the two quarterbacks that came out in last year's draft, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, it wasn't even a consideration who I would take. Why would you take Bryce Young with C.J. Stroud's physicality and and, uh, acumen and pedigree? You're reaching when you take a guy like Bryce Young. So here are the tale of the two quarterbacks yesterday. C.J. Stroud engineers a fabulous 39-37 win on a last-minute drive. Throwing, I can't believe I'm giving a Ohio State quarterback to these kind of plaudits, but 470 yards and five touchdowns. 
Bryce Young for the lousy Carolina Panthers, 173 and three interceptions as the Panthers got ripped by the Colts, one of my selections of the week, 27 to 13. I don't understand it. I don't know what these so-called football experts saw that they would put Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. Do you, Darren? Well, I, look, Bryce Young obviously doesn't have the physical uh, attributes that Stroud has. Stroud makes every throw in the book. I, but like you, I always question the pro readiness of Ohio State quarterbacks. Um, a lot of young quarterbacks, Mike, like not not people. People don't realize that it's got to be a fit. Like Bryce Young just may not be a good fit with the system and the coaches that are in Carolina. I'm not saying he's going to be good. Not saying he's going to be a bust right now. Stroud, on the other hand, may be in a good fitted system for him and his abilities. But yeah, Stroud looks like. You no, know, so this is your way of saying Bryce Young is. No, still I just good. don't know. I don't know if he's good yet. I I hate rushing the judgment on a rookie well, quarterback. Well, all right, and speaking of Ohio State quarterbacks, what about what about Alabama quarterbacks? I'm trying to think. Like, why, why would you assume that an Alabama quarterback is good? Seriously. Like, they play, he played with a juggernaut college yeah. football team for, for, for a couple yes. of years, right? Do you think that that made him look better? I mean, certainly possible. He's yeah. frail. He's 5'11". It's like I look at the guy and go, one guy's a stud. The other guy's frail. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, these kids that come out of programs like Bama, even Ohio State, like, they're sur- they've got oh, 10 other all-pros at the line of scrimmage with them, like, or, you know, top line players for college. So it, that can, at times can cloud a scouting, a scout's judgment. Well, you're awful nice and diplomatic. I'm trying. All right. That'll do uh, around the NFL for today. And that'll close up the show for today, our post-game Eagle show. Uh, but I'll have, I have one parting shot. And I, this isn't a shot at anybody. But um, I, and I wonder if people are feeling me on this. I can't get out of my own neighborhood anymore. The amount of road work that goes on now we're into November. Every intersection is closed. I, I'm seeing, I swear to God, I have nightmares of stop and slow signs that appear in my brain, right? It seems like everywhere I, th- listen, I know you have to do infrastructure road work. I know roads have to be paved. I know you have to go below the surface for old pipes. But it seems like everywhere I go, I can't get out of my own neighborhood. I'm talking about the local roads. I'm not talking about the highways that they're repaving, which they should. I get all that. Local roads, the local arteries where you have to get to the grocery store down this road or you have to go to the tailor shop down this road or the cleaners. I can't get anywhere. And I just wonder, is it me or are people noticing the same thing about your local municipalities? And I don't, again, I don't want to rip these. These people have jobs. It's their job. The municipalities are trying to make things better. I get it. But my God, it just seems this year more than any year, there's more plentiful people stopping traffic and you have to reroute or you have to wait in big lines to get through it. And the light changes. Am I wrong? No, it drives me nuts too. It's everything from local roads to like mid mid highways. Like if they have, I feel like they're doing every road at once in my town, in every town, and even on the highways. Like I'd rather instead of doing five projects, where you're doing five different roads in an area, how about you take everybody 
do the one road, get that done quicker, move on to the next road. The whole town doesn't have to be torn up at the same time. Yeah, I, listen, I don't know what their agenda is. It may, might be logical that they have to do stuff. I'm just saying uh, that it's, I just have noticed an overabundance of it this, this particular fall. I, I, I realize it's like, I can't get out of my own neighborhood. It takes me 25 minutes to get out of my own damn neighborhood. I just like, my, all right. Well, anyway, there's this uh, low life problems or like, you know, like irrelevant problems, problems. For, spo- for spoiled white people. Is that what it is? Champagne problems. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. That'll close it down today. Uh, for the Mike Missinelli podcast uh, brought to us by Bet Rivers. All right, let's just take a look on how we did as we close the show uh, with our selections uh, last week. I can't even remember who I had. Do you have a, a list of who I had last week? I know week? you had uh, Kansas State. You had them outright, but they did. Cover. I had Kansas State, thought they would out- outright it. They did cover by a point. They lost by three to Texas, going for a touchdown in overtime. Yeah. Instead of kicking the field goal to send it into another overtime, and they got stopped on the play. Yeah, I know you had the Saints and the pros. I don't know who you had. I'm not sure who your other – Saints did not cover. Saints did not – no. The Saints lost by a hook. Um, I think I took the Ravens. Yeah, In any event, uh, if you followed our selections and you hit on them, congratulations. Yeah, I had uh, the Patriots yeah. that didn't. And then you I laughed at my Raiders State. pick. And I said, that's my yeah. play of the week. You laughed. I'll never bet the Giants ever again. I'll never, I'll never them? put them in any kind of a pack. I'll never select them in, in, at any time. <laughs> uh, but congratulations for uh, if you took Kansas State because my college yes. picks have been unbelievably on fire. All right, everybody have a great week. It's a beautiful day out uh, here. I'm at the I'm at the shore at this point. Beautiful. I may even walk on the beach. You and have a great Monday. Have a great dog. week. Yeah, me, me and the pup. Take a little walk on the beach, throw the ball, play a little game of chase. There you go. All right, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching the Mike Missinelli Podcast. We'll be back at you later in the week with another pod. Uh, until then, I'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.